This show is brought to you by Whatever You Say Productions, starting conversations since 2018. Welcome and welcome back to, dare I say it, the final episode of, no, 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 the final episode so, yeah. of this season, season of one Microscope. Of microscope. So I think, you know, this episode we want to spend a little time trying to wrap up everything we've talked about, as well as reminisce about the good old times. <laughs> the good old times before we had to... Um discuss impending climate change <laughs> impending All climate change so as usual i'm your host mike hi i'm your other host kevin and welcome so we wanted to talk or we wanted to start off with we wanted to start this episode off with a quote and this is by john holdren who is barack obama's or who was barack obama's Chief scientist advisor. Very important job. A very important person. Very smart man. Definitely give him lots of credits for things that he's things that he has done. So in a UN climate meeting in 2007, he basically put the impending doom of climate change very simply and pragmatically. And he said, we basically have three choices. We either mitigate climate change, adapt to climate change or just suffer from it yeah we're seeing a lot of all three really we kind of talked about ways um, you and i can mitigate climate change through our own personal choices as consumers and citizens um and we've definitely talked a lot about suffering that has um, befell and will become of climate change in terms of agriculture in terms of displacing peoples in terms of it's just gonna be hotter like july <laughs> this july the so hottest hot. month slate nasa has said it's slated to be the hottest month ever recorded in human history which uh given everything we've talked about not super surprising but should be super alarming so speaking of being really hot kevin and i are currently recording in his you would call this a sunroom call it a sunroom however it is surrounded by fences so the sun only tangentially kind of comes in there's no like (laughs) view throughout the windows um which are just screens but it does allow for nice airflow and around now like nine at night about it's kind of nice even in the middle of the summer but definitely not its prime usage and by kind of by kind of nice it's currently 101 degrees which is at nine o'clock at nice when you're not standing in direct sunlight (laughs) (laughs) but so let's like i said earlier we want to sort of reminisce and reminisce is maybe like a weird way to put it but like just review everything we've talked about and we want to break this down in terms of what John Holdren said. So let's start off with suffering, right? Almost every episode we've talked about a different aspect of our lives that are gonna are that are going to or are suffering from climate change. Absolutely, we've really talked about how all different um, parts of society are gonna suffer from the pollinators that help uh, pollinate our agricultural practices. I think coffee, coffee was like last episode. Coffee was the. one in question however 
everything, everything, everything relies on um, pollination and continuing to make sure those pollinators are healthy and able to do their job. Um, beer as well, beer being the, the product of the barley grain, um, but also the coral and the fishing industry in earlier episodes. I... <laughs> You sound so sad. I it know it's sad. I know it's, it's suffering, sad. but like life it up. Jesus. <laughs> it's the the bleak picture we are trying to paint for I you. I know, <laughs> guys, Kevin's Kevin's on like the verge of crying right it now. It is what it is, shit, man. It's I mean, sad. If you're not about to cry, you're there you have no empathy. I know, like <laughs> coffee's going to shit because all the bees are dying. Beer's going to shit because we can't grow barley anymore. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be able to eat sushi anymore because the coral reefs can't protect the fishes, <laughs> yeah. the baby fishes. We got forest fires burning down California and yeah. essentially all the weed fields. Ah, uh, yes. Like, we never talked about all the important shit. things are just, ugh. And then, right, algal blooms. What are they doing? They just are nasty. It's not. They're just nasty. Not a good thing. Another thing further exacerbated by climate change. Yeah. So, right. I think we've touched on almost every single episode that climate change is currently affecting a very large portion of what makes human life plausible and and enjoyable. Right. We talked about weed, coffee, and beer. Yes. Those. But Quote like fish is luxury items. Fish, fish is like a major source of food in many, many regions. Yeah, like especially on the coastal regions of America, like most of those people gain their nutrients from seafood. Yeah. Like I know I'm from the Northeast, and I'm pretty sure every fucking summer we would have clams at least twice a week. Damn, it sounds like heaven coming from the Midwest. We <laughs> never had fresh shellfish. For shit. <laughs> Let me put that into context because clams are expensive. No, we have a family friend who literally owns a <laughs> clamming farm. Mike is not the bourgeois. <laughs> I am not bougie. Not I'm not bougie. So our, the family friend would literally just bring us like, oh, here's all these like leftover clams. You could just have them. So, wow. th- yeah. That's what's up. Well, kiss that shit goodbye under climate change, given all we're seeing. Yeah, and not just all those... Um, quote-unquote fancier things that we enjoy here (laughs) literally people around the world are going to be displaced and disenfranchised even further so by the uh suffering effects of climate change yeah exactly exactly so a lot of suffering right i think we could both agree there's a lot of suffering that's going to be caused by climate change so we're already experiencing it. So I think the thing we all have to get used to is like we are going to, especially like our generation, the millennial generation, and the generation after us, which is what, the, the Zers? Gen Z, I've heard it referred to. Is there, I, I think know. there's another generation now, a third one. A third generation since like us. Like I think it goes. Early 90s. It goes. Children's. Millennials, Zers, and then. Just new, just, I don't know, cyborgs. They're cyborgs. Gonna, they're gonna, okay. I'm calling them so, cyborgs because they're going to be cyborgs. So we'll Millennials, Y, or Zs, Zs, Ys, Xs, whatever. 
So, <laughs> <laughs> These are very unofficial names of the generations. Now that I and now then that the I cyborgs the and then the cyborgs. It. Yeah, yeah, because they're attached to the phones at the hip, right? And we're basically living our lives through this uh, filter of social media as we're coming to you live through podcasts. This will just become more and more of the main way that people interact. And Says the two people who are so bad with social media. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is forecasting. This is not my personal (laughs) (laughs) approach. But so I think our generations will really suffer the most from climate change. Yeah, it's no longer a what-if scenario. It's really, this is fucking happening right now, and we can feel it right now. We can feel it physically. We can feel it economically. We can feel it in the social pressures around us. Uh, This is now, and this is just the appetizer of the suffering that people are going to uh, have inflicted upon them. So that's like one thing that's going on the other is like another thing we've constantly talked about on this show is how to mitigate these the how to mitigate climate change so that it doesn't get really really bad yeah especially at or get worse it's already really really bad it's pretty bad already but to not to not at least at the very least to not feel like you're a direct massive contributor to it getting worse, I think, has been the goal of a lot of our little take-home tidbits at the end of each episode. Um, but this mitigation really, really goes back to what are the policies that are being enacted, what are being pursued um, in order to mitigate climate change. And again, mitigation just being make it, it's going to be bad, but make it the least bad that it possibly can be. Just slightly less worse. And like, how do you do this, right? Like, We've talked a lot about sort of like the effects of an increase in temperature and an increase in uh, water levels rising. But it really comes down to, right, eliminating how much CO2 goes into the atmosphere, Mm -hmm. increasing the amount of sunlight that stays on Earth, and actually increasing the sinks of CO2, right? So it's all in a flux, right? Every day, no matter what goes on, CO2 goes in the atmosphere and CO2 gets stored in the by biosphere, plants in and the, the biosphere. Yeah. Yes. It's really we want to decrease the arrow going up in the atmosphere and increase either the size and or the number of arrows going mm-hmm. back down into Earth and Precisely. being locked away. Yeah. And that's actually what I focus on with the Amazon with my Amazon research is understanding Will the largest forest on the planet act as a sink or a, or so a producer or, no, wait, a sink and or a producer of yeah. methane, which, which is a very Another big greenhouse, greenhouse gas. gas. Yeah. yeah. So in addition to CO2, other types of greenhouse gases, same kind of idea. Mitigation will involve the limitation of adding new greenhouse gases into the atmosphere and the maximization of, um, putting it into sinks such as plants, bacteria. Um, I actually read a paper a few years back that was really cool. It was using um, these certain kind of minerals that are deep within the Earth's crust, but if we piped uh, the atmospheric gases into them, they would actually react with the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, thus sequestering it not in um, plant biomass, but in rocks Crystal and form, minerals, yeah, yeah. crystallization, huh. yeah. 
So there's lots of different ways to approach this problem and a lot of climate scientists really are looking into what, which of these mechanisms are most feasible, what should we put our resources towards, what we should, should we put um, time and energy towards developing as real sinks for uh, carbon dioxide. It's kind of funny because like looking at carbon dioxide as like a molecule, mm -hmm. it's kind of funny because you got oxygen, which is reactive as all hell and like, oh By my itself. God, like slutty as yeah. all hell. Yeah. And then you got carbon, it's just like, I can be friends with everybody Precisely. and all at the same time. Yep. And so, they're just so tight. It's, can we go there? It's a threesome between them. They're just so <laughs> tight with it. Because there's two, okay, so in chemistry, there's different levels of bonds. There's single bonds and double bonds. Carbon dioxide has a carbon in the middle and oxygens on either side, and both of those oxygens have a double bond to carbon. So it's a very stable molecule. It really doesn't want to be anything else um, thermodynamically or in, in an energetically favorable way. It just kind of want to kind of wants to stay as it is which is part of the uh, issue what a polyamorous relationship yeah <laughs> but yeah so right getting back to mitigation and not the sexual <laughs> premises of carbon dioxide <laughs> i hope this sticks with you i hope you think of that when you see carbon dioxide in the news and just see its molecular structure. You're breathing a threesome in every time you breathe. You're <laughs> just out. like, oh, yeah. uh, carbon dioxide threesome. And then your body is specifically making that, and that's what you breathe out. Yeah, and actually, your, your body out. doesn't absorb the carbon dioxide. Instead, it releases it. Precisely. Kind of makes us all prudes. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys like this <laughs> direction we've gone with the content here. We, you know, we decided that this is the last episode. Let's not drill into the facts. Let's just have like a lighthearted yeah. review because of everything. Because the facts is, is pretty fucked. However, yeah. again, what can we do to mitigate it? What? what can we do to make it not so bad? So in terms of really reducing those sources of greenhouse gases like carbon dioxide and increasing and maximizing the sinks that we have available to us um it really comes down to not being so much of a scientific issue we it's not pretty much understand the science between where are these increased greenhouse gas emissions coming from and what um types uh parts of the biosphere are capable of acting as sinks for these increased greenhouse gases it comes down more so to be a policy issue. What is What are people actually doing? What are governments, what are nations, United Nations doing to really push things in the direction that the scientists kind of have known about for like 50 years now? 80. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know the other thing is though, like the chemistry and the ecology of what's going on with climate change is not like a tough theory and or topic mm -hmm. like it's very much like when you add more things to a system it's going to change it it's very simple like it's yeah. very simple this this wasn't something that took scientists years to figure out this yeah. was like a oh fuck that's where the name greenhouse gases come from. Think yeah. about how long have greenhouses been around. We know that if we um, put plants in a big building made of glass, 
the heat gets in and gets trapped and keeps it warm for the plants and thus that's uh, pretty much what's happening. Well, I think we've known about here. greenhouse gases as the source of why, oh, I'm going to say Mercury, but it could also be Venus. Like, that's how it got so it's Venus, hot. yeah. I precisely. think it's Venus. Like, Venus that's... has an extremely thick atmosphere with way, way, way higher concentrations of these different greenhouse gases. I couldn't tell you which ones off the top of my head. Sulfur, CO2. Uh, it's a sulfurous, gaseous compound. If I have any planetary geologists out there, let me know in the comments. And precisely what gas is the main contributor to the, um, how would I've heard called the runaway greenhouse effect on venus but same kind of situation that is real i've heard of that i just did not remember that off the top of my head good for you <laughs> <laughs> i was way into astronomy in my early years i you know what i still am like i always toy with the idea of becoming an astrobiologist mm -hmm. that's uh, is that how you ended up here that's exactly how I ended up that's here. precisely how i ended up here and my boss was like you cut that shit out right now <laughs> There's not a lot of funding in it. That's the problem. No, it's yeah, it like, is so exploratory. Especially in like a biological sense, like it's mm -hmm. still very like Yeah, in its uh, infancy. I mean, I was always interested in the idea of like multicellularity and how that mm. arose, which is I think why I'm so obsessed with like microbial communities because I'm totally. just like the answer is there. I'm not smart enough to figure it out, but like <laughs> We'll work towards Somebody it. Somebody else yeah, might be. Exactly. How can I help them? Yeah, which is funny because this understanding about astrobiology and how uh, different planetary systems evolve and how life may have evolved will directly give us insights to how we can unfuck up this place where life already <laughs> evolved <laughs> that we are clearly just fucking up by throwing off, again, these concentrations of greenhouse gases um, in the atmosphere. So, right, like, let's recap a little bit. There's three things that we can look at climate change as. Suffering, which we're all suffering. Kevin and I are suffering in 100. Oh, my God, it fucking went up. It's 103 degrees. Shit. What the hell? <laughs> okay. So it's getting hotter. It's getting much hotter. The other thing is that we need to shift to a mitigation if we want. We need to mitigate the how quickly we're pushing climate change. That is going to make it easier, easier for us to adapt to this climate. And I think that's where we really want to focus in on this episode. Took us a long time to get there, but we do want to focus on like how humans, because I think one thing we almost started off every episode with is it's here, it's happening, we get it. You like, regardless of what's causing it, the planet's getting warmer <laughs> and shit's happening. Yep. Right? That's not, that, that conversation's done. That, yes. That you, it's kind of refreshing because I remember like 10 years ago learning about this in school and like, wow, people aren't getting that this is clearly happening. But now I think we're at a point where people are like, yes, no shit. There's only a battle about what's causing it. Oh my god! Whatever. I think yeah, I, I think the evidence is overwhelming to what's overwhelming. happening. Oh, overwhelming. Oh, science when that happens, it's great yeah. but just not in this situation because we're pretty much fucked because of right so you know every episode we start off with like we're, we're in that era and the thing about we need to adapt it we're adapting to how to survive within this sort of climate this climate scenario this new climate right and so like a lot of different things need to go into this right like the goal of adaptation is to decrease 
our vulnerability to these harmful effects of climate change. And there are a lot of different things that can be done to do this. So, you know, Kevin and I spent, God, probably two hours. <laughs> yeah, about that. <laughs> two hours, like really trying to like piece down key things that we can use or key things that can help humans adapt to this climate environment. Mm -hmm. And the first one was sort of like farmers need to share ideas and tips on how to farm. I know this seems very like surface level and like what's the point of this? Think about it. Farmers that are used to growing in specific environments are losing that environment and that environment is mm -hmm. being found in areas where farmers have never experienced that type of climate before. Exactly. So there needs to be this exchange of knowledge between sort of experts who no longer had the materials and naive people who had the materials. Now they do, yeah. That, in addition to that, on the agricultural side, I think we're going to hit this home in a future episode where we're really going to focus it on it, but the embracing of genetically modified organisms for agriculture and food security. Food security is probably going to be probably the top two with water security. And issues. water security directly affects <laughs> directly food security. Food security and all of these things, again, can be mitigated. This can be a means of mitigating the harmful effects of climate change by adapting to the new climatic variables and situations that people will find themselves in by embracing these technologies such as genetically modified organisms, plants that are drought resistant, plants that are heat resistant. These are all things that are only going to increase food security and limit suffering of people, especially the most vulnerable people um, in the world this and allow us to mitigate the resources that go into producing enough food exactly oh look at that we hit oh, all three yeah, of them oh. right through yeah <laughs> yes so thank you john holden that was a truly insightful <laughs> statement i you know what i didn't know john holden until like maybe three days ago but now i think he's my new hero i gotta like Get a poster of him and put yeah. him in the room. No, you probably just DM him on Instagram and he'll hit you back and be like, dude, I love your podcast, bro. John, we'll have you on. Please. If you want to come on. If you came on, we'd be so happy. Thank you so much. We would rent out a hotel room or something. Or like, I, don't, I don't know. What do you I do? Know, we, wouldn't be, <laughs> we wouldn't be recording in a 103-degree sunroom right now. Uh, but, okay, so... Right. Farmers need to share tips. They need to, their expertise are no longer just to make themselves money. They need to share that knowledge so that fucking people can eat. Like, okay. I feel like I'm like Bill Nye. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. The planet's on fire. Okay. It was crazy to think um, growing up with Bill Nye in the 90s, huh? No, kind of mild-mannered he came off as, and now it's He's literally... He's just fucking if you just, He's just fucking And it's it. because of science denialism. He worked, he put his career into science communication, and these motherfuckers didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> Should we be surprised that this is what we're getting? <laughs> And he, he put all this time and effort and it didn't fucking work. Well, maybe that's maybe maybe Bill Nye was just doing it in the wrong way. 
No, no, no I, I think it was, so, sorry, it was Bill, more politicians sorry, Bill. being stubborn. Sorry, Bill. Bill, if you ever want to come on the podcast. Oh, my God. I would. Be a life changer. Uh, I would take out a credit card to purchase anything required. <laughs> 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 we'll, t- we'll wine you and dine you and. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. You. I'm shaking thinking about <laughs> it. <laughs> okay. Maybe one day. Yeah, who but, knows? But who knows? this comes back to something else we wanted to touch on in this episode is that, well, Bill Nye was really expressing that opinion towards policymakers who are very resistant to listening to science communicators and scientists themselves, which brings it back to um, what I think a lot of people struggle with is how the I don't want to name names, but the media has portrayed it as perhaps a lack of scientific consensus about the nature of climate change. When, in fact, I think we can speak for the scientific community and say this is not an issue of lack of scientific consensus, but an issue of political. Yeah, this is it's and we'll get to that we'll get to that i keep keeping like calm down where that's that's the last point okay we got four more points to make. <laughs> <laughs> okay so farmer sharing and the other is this is this kind of this kind of like links up with the suffering is that you know you need to prepare for these disasters so like especially those communities that are found within very or uh, coastal regions, you know, I, I remember growing up, you know, our teachers would give us pamphlets about like prepare for a fire or prepare for a flood, like really prepare for that flood and or fire because the probability of you experiencing that is, is it's higher. It's skyrocketing. It's now. higher now. So, you know, like coastal need to focus on like those storms. I think here in Arizona, we need to focus on like heat. Heat, like dust storms. Heat, dust storms. We're probably gonna get a crazy <clears throat> thunderstorm right now. It's yeah. probably just gonna rain all the rain. It's gonna rain all year, and in then like it's twenty minutes. Flood. Yeah. Oh, we are God. not prepared for anything like that. Yeah. Even out of infrastructure. And remember, weather. climate change do- just also doesn't include, you know, heat. It also includes like the winters are going to get worse. You know, expect to find areas that never get snow to have snow, and areas that get some snow to get a lot more snow. A lot more snow. <laughs> or no snow. That's in that's in an ideal situation. Yeah. Well, either way, it's going to be a disruption of tradition. Basically, the the cultural context of these areas is based around the climate that they've had for. I think this article I was reading right now was like a pretty much the past twelve thousand years of human history has been more or less a consistent a yeah. climatic uh, situation. Our calendar is based on this. I, I might be making that up. I don't know. Are, is the calendar based on the seasons? Probably not. Uh, we'll get back to you guys we, on that. We could that Google is a that. Really interesting. We could Google question. that now. Is the calendar? I think we have a special calendar. I think it's like a moon calendar. Well, there was that motherfucking <laughs> the green calendar guy who added two months, right? It was based Julius Caesar on... added July and Augustus Caesar added August. So if it was based on shit, it would been... Lunar calendar is based on the phases of the moon. And in every solar year, it reaches 
Okay, this is from Britannica Encyclopedia, so it's legit. Yeah. There's a lot of paragraphs. And again, we're not astronomers, we so are this not is not going to be the most <laughs> cogent explanation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so the lunar calendar means the months are based on the faces of the moon, and the solar year is based on... So, yeah, no, I think the... I don't know. It ends up lining up with the seasons, more or less, because yeah. the seasons have had a consistent rhythm to them, just like the phase of the moon, just like where the sun rises in the east at what latitude based on the um, axial tilt of yeah. the Earth. So, yeah. I'm not I'm not definitive in like <laughs> in like saying believe everything we say about the moon and the sun and, and the seasons. And if you know, please come talk shit because please we need talk shit to talk us. to us. Yeah, we 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 are smart individuals, but we're just good at reading things. Like <laughs> yeah. But that's really the nature of science. You say one thing and you give evidence towards it and then someone else says another thing and gives their evidence and that's kind of how we have our discourse. And then in climate change, everybody's just like, oh, shit, I came to the exact same fucking conclusion. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So I don't want to say prepare for disaster because that sounds so like apocalyptic and gloomy. But yeah. like in a practical definitely way, in pr practically consider that, you know, like this is a possibility. And the more prepared you are for these, the less it will impact your life. Mm-hmm. The you know, less and that's suffering. The more mitigation, mitigation of suffering. <laughs> mitigate your suffering by preparing for disaster. Look at this. We didn't plan to have yeah. this full circle. Oh, but no. We are just yeah, that's, full yeah, circling just every yeah. minute. Okay. And then this is sort of what we're doing is trying to do, trying to do is, <laughs> is take advantage of social media, right? Like as we talked about earlier in this episode, like, we are a generation and generations of social media. And so, like, we communicate through that platform. And I think the best way to share our ideas, our evidence-based ideas, to the mm -hmm. community and help, you know, our farmers. There should be a Facebook group. There probably is a Facebook oh, group. I'm sure there's farmers. millions, yeah. There's probably so. a Facebook group about, like, preparing for specific disasters. Use social media to that advantage, mm -hmm. right? I'm always a, I am a big proponent of technology, Absolutely. and I know there's a lot of people that are just like, oh, technology, social media, it's making us yeah, the worst. Make us dumb. Technology and social media has made us like infallible. No, in. Numerable. I don't know. You know yeah, the, the, that adjective. Better infinitely than better than we were before. Just because by virtue of being able to share all of this information with very specific demographics of people, like we can, we can hone it down to be oh the people in the twenty mile radius that we're around, or people in this certain age range, or people of any kind of demographic that they have identified in their online persona. Um, we can really target those people directly, um, not only to give them information, but to solicit information from them. And a lot of this can come back to being uh, prepared for disasters. Like if something happens at a local level, um, giving out information about where resources can be found, where emergency people are at, what they're putting their time and energy into. All these things can be facilitated by social media, by the communication capabilities that we have. And now all of that is contingent on these 
communication, uh, the communication infrastructure being intact and being well maintained. Uh, so that could be another being thing. Being based put... in legitness. Yes. <laughs> legitimacy. I.e. not fake news, <laughs> which we are trying our best not to do by telling you, please fact check us on everything we say. Everything we say. I, we fact check ourselves before we go on the air, but you should probably fact check us more because that's peer review. We peer review each other and then you guys listen and hopefully you peer review us and don't just, you know. That would be a great thing. That's kind of what commenting, like when someone posts some bullshit on Facebook and you comment, hey, this isn't true, blah, 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 blah. That's a form of peer review. I think that should get, I think that should get the appreciation and respect that it deserves. Like you're not just being an asshole by saying like, hey, what you posted was actually infactual and these are the real facts. There we need are to have so many a times. Gold star for people who do that. And I think that's something Facebook could do. That's something Instagram could actually incite be like Thank you for putting thank you for not posting alerting us of the yeah. fallacy that this post had. You yeah. know, because like yeah it would be awesome if Facebook and Instagram could I don't want to say curate or filter their things based I think on they're whether, trying now after they're tr- all this but bullshit. It's so and tr- it's so difficult. Yeah. Like think about how many people are posting and and what they're posting, and not to mention bots. And yeah, all it's automated. It's, I, I, I don't think we're at a point in technology. I mean, who knows how quickly technology moves? God, give it like five months. Yeah, easily. And then they'll be able to do it. But easily. Who knows? But, right, and I think lastly, and this is something Kevin has been like squirming over here to yeah. talk about. Chomping it's, bit. it's, and it's something in everybody's lives currently it's policy. Adaptation to what adaptation to climate change is going to require actual, realistic, now, yes, <laughs> now, not yesterday, not tomorrow, now policies by governments all over the planet, right? We're not trying to like make fun of one person in particular <laughs> not at all <laughs> but like every in reality like everybody everybody needs to do something and it, yeah it really is a global issue there's not one nation well actually i believe costa rica is one of the first nations to go fully renewable energy. oh my god i fucking love costa rica yeah. i went there for uh, i think a month i was there well maybe like two or three weeks loved it Loved it. I just had a good time there. I don't. I don't know. Their green... <laughs> I don't know about their green renewable energy policies, but beautiful but yeah. country, beautiful people. Virtually all of us are one hundred percent dependent on fossil fuels, and this goes back to the interplay between policy and industry and the market and all of these forces. Uh, the status quo and kind of business as usual, as we've clearly seen, really can't continue and be sustainable and mitigate disaster, mitigate suffering in the way that it's kind of been put forth in the past. Now we really need more, more, more kind of oversight of the, again, emissions of fossil fuels and more pushing towards things that do not produce fossil fuels and act as sinks, sorry, produce fossil fuels, produce greenhouse gases, and act as sinks of those greenhouse And gases. we're at a point where these are policy changes. These are things that need to be done by policy. Mm-hmm. I think I actually had a conversation with a family member, like relatively recently, 
And they were just like, oh, you know, I, I hate that these scientists, you know, give us the gloom and doom of climate change. But like, why aren't they telling us what to do about it? We certainly and are. That's what we're trying we to do. Are. With this we are. And we're trying to figure out, we're trying to focus what needs to be done. But at the end of the day, like, things need to be done at the policy level. Mm -hmm. Like, that it's scientists who have no power whatsoever. Oh, it's We're so literally true. fighting each other for funding to continue. Especially as grad students, we can say we are at the tail end of that power structure the very bottom of the great pyramid scheme if you will yeah but yeah we'd really like to put out there what are some of those policy changes that could be enacted and the biggest thing is taking that power away from the fossil fuel industry going towards renewable industries I will say, no, just go on, go on. And definitely we want to highlight what those renewable industries are being solar, wind, and I want to give a big shout out to nuclear power for it's not creating greenhouse gases whatsoever. We'll definitely have an upcoming episode about the merits well of I, everybody's power. watching chernobyl now so everybody's just like oh no about, nuclear power i heard about this <laughs> so let's put that in perspective if we think of the chernobyl disaster versus the impending climate disaster from fossil fuels also technology is different we know more and it, it's we know more and again that was not a scientific issue that was a policy issue. that was a, that, that was, was a policy issue i'm not i haven't watched this show i wasn't even aware of it till i saw on some like facebook groups or whatever talking about it but i'm sure that show accurately portrayed that it was the oversight of someone in that facility who fucked up and not the nature of the technology yeah. itself i mean the oh not hiroshima a hiroshima or was that the bomb Hiroshima was the bomb. What was the nuclear... Fukushima. 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 Yes. Another great um, distinction to make is the difference between nuclear weapons and nuclear energy. <laughs> we're we're going to take a whole... We'll, we'll talk about that, yeah. We, really I think to close off this episode, we'll give you a little sneak peek at what we're going to talk about next season. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, I, I think some things... I think it almost a half of all the episodes we talked about were basically like listen we have all this data this is what we think is going to happen and this is what policy is going to do i specifically i we talked about this in the forest fire episode where we talked about how california is understanding where forest fires happened in the past where forest fires can occur under different climate change scenarios and then giving that information to the policymakers allows those people living in those fire-prone areas to adjust and change. And I think that's sort of where scientists and politicians need to come together and like really need to get off their fucking high horses on both ends. I'll admit it. Scientists are a little bit cocky. Oh, yeah. I feel it. Politicians are way more cocky. No, <laughs> they're not even cocky. They're just so fucking ignorant. They think they know things about stuff they don't know. A scientist would be the first one to tell you, I don't know fucking shit about that. Oh, wow. I say that every day. I live that every day. The more I think I learn, the less I know about it. I literally walk in and I'm just like, fuck, why am I doing this? What am I doing? Yeah. That also just might be me unable to oh, no, that's plan. Me too. At least, so but... here's your N of two that we have. Yeah. <laughs> 
But I would hope politicians also have that experience, but I kind of have a gut feeling that they don't. But I, right, like, at the end of the day, politicians need to sort of shift their idea of short-term policies to make things better in the immediate. Because climate change is not a short-term issue. Climate change is a multi-generational issue. Mm -hmm. Millennials, Zers, cyborgs. Yes. <laughs> We're fucked. And then whoever comes after the cyborgs. Oh, yes. Probably the robots. Yeah. Because then the fuck all biological cells. Ah, oh, yeah. We're going to have an episode about that. Thanks for bringing up that one. Ooh, that's a fun one. So for at least, at least, I don't know, at least, this is something I actually have no knowledge of, whatever. But, like, I, I think I can semi-comfortably say for the next four generations, they Certainly. will experience the issues of climate change. And policies made now are going to affect I think I actually read something. Sorry, not to detract myself. No. I read something that was about how, like, something Nixon did in the past. We're seeing the repercussions today. Oh, for I think sure. that's only like two or three generations, but still, what? Like, that's that's one generation ago. Oh, that's one generation. I mean, that's ago. I would consider that my parents' generation. It's different. Policies are are. I, who knows? Who yeah. knows? I I think. But we can see the beginnings of the industrial revolution of the 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 widespread use of fossil fuels at a at a scale unprecedented before in human history. That let's say that happened probably like eighteen seventy five. Let's say that was about four generations ago, maybe for for a for a child born yesterday. Maybe that was like four generations ago. And really. I think what you just said was completely correct. This will probably have repercussions for the next four generations of human beings, which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. And think about it. You'll be alive then because of modern medicine. Those people are, are dead. I don't know. I'm, I mean, yeah. I'm making sure. No, no, no. <laughs> the people who really were in the thick of it, who were, I don't know, tax-paying adults throughout the 50s, 60s, and 70s are either dead or in retirement homes right now and exactly so i think i think we're done with this episode i think this was like a reminiscing episode i've, I've yeah. teared up a little bit kind of putting it all in got a little angry i'm a little hot yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty hyped up sweating here sweating ridiculously <laughs> as we will as we suffer in climate change. As we suffer, we hope to provide you with information to mitigate, mitigate and adapt your lifestyles for the impending climate apocalypse. I don't think it's going to be an apocalypse. It might, though. I'm, like, slightly worried about that. I think or, about like, it every gonna... day, and if you don't think about it, like, I fucking envy you. But you kind of should think about it a little bit to kind of think about what sacrifices you're going to have to make personally like maybe we can't have burgers every other day. Maybe we can't have a car we can drive wherever we want every second of every day. Whenever we want, yeah. But it's not going to be like back to the Stone Age type We're shit. also not talking about killing off the cows because that's a bad thing. No, like it, we might not be able to produce enough cows Yes. To provide burgers for you people. So, yeah. like, that, you know, that's... In the traditional sense. However, scientists are also working on We're alternatives. Working on yeah. Like, the Impossible Burger. Actually, I'm so not into the Impossible Burger. It, well, it's just as bad as red meat. You know how much water 
and energy oh. gets put into making that stupid fucking thing. No shit. Like, I get it, it's supposed to be healthier because it's plant-based, but, like, its greenhouse footprint is the same. Oh, okay. that's whack. Sorry. Yeah. I got and more, we'll get more into that I got that super later. angry. Yeah. Have just, like, a bean burger. Mash up some beans. <laughs> okay. Sounds All good. Right. So, <laughs> I think Kevin and I want to thank you all for listening to us in our first season i think this was definitely a trial and error throughout. Yes. so thank you for sticking with it and thank you for putting up with us yeah i think we have a good time doing this it's and a blast yes if that's all we get out of it then so be it but damn thank you guys we, it means the world to us yeah and so i think like you know this whole season was all about climate change and while climate change is still going to be sort of It'll always be there. It'll, it'll, it'll be. It, a, it'll start to innervate every aspect of your it, life it will in the be. coming years. It will be. I think next season we're gonna focus on two to five. Oh no, two. Like probably five big topics. Yeah. In science, that there's a lot of sort of like miscommunication about. Oh my gosh. And we want to break down papers that's, that's our job as science communicators so like bridge something gap. you know kevin has probably said every episode since he's been on <laughs> <laughs> gmos gmos we are gonna we are gonna tell, talk to you about gmos what they mean i don't know all of that stuff i think what's another thing i want to talk about uh neuro uh neuropa- not neuropathy neurobiology no uh neuropathy uh-huh and like snake oil medicine. Oh, I, pseudoscience. 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 Pseudo medical. Homeopathy. Homeopathy. Yeah, we can have a pseudoscience corner. Yeah. To talk shit. <laughs> Fuck you, Gwyneth Paltrow. If you're listening to this, I hate you. But if you ever want to come on our podcast, <laughs> no, I will talk shit the whole time. I'm sorry, Sam and whoever's listening. If we have to cut that, I totally understand. <laughs> <laughs> Buzzfeed, <laughs> yeah. random dude on podcast, <laughs> Dax Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> that's right, Gwyneth. Sit down with your raw water. Okay, yeah. So that's probably something else we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. And those are two things pressing and stuff. We've put a little bit of time and effort mm-hmm. into it. Yeah, there'll be more, but we'll add thoughts. to it. I yeah. think we probably won't. You probably won't hear from us for another. Fuck, we should have had dates to say these things. I think three months. Probably I think we'll come that. back on in three months. Sure. You're like, sure, yeah. What? I'll have to look <laughs> at the calendar. <laughs> Who knows? Hopefully Sam chimes in. Sam, you should chime in and thank everybody for this for joining us. Because you were, you were half of this season. Totally. Or like a quarter of the season. Kevin's no, been the other quarter. <laughs> I've been half of it. <laughs> Oh, total. Got you. Net season. Net total airtime. <laughs> but, so, as always, I want to thank you all for joining us, and I hope you tune in for next season. My name is Mike. I'm Kevin. Please don't forget to follow us on the gram. On the, <laughs> on the microscope gram, because microscope Mike and... Microscope Kevin are, are We not. need some kicking some ass kicking to get into We're gear on busy. Posting. We're yeah. busy. We don't have time to post photos. It I I think I timed myself once to post one photo. It took me like thirty minutes. 
I know because I'm always obsessing about what to write, what to and write, I feel what weird. hashtags, being disingenuous, the editing. Should I edit it? Like I don't have a half hour to put into a single photo. Yeah. Like, I think I'm gonna sit down one day and make like 15 posts, and then just kind of post them. Yeah. Um, a few days apart. So if you see photos over the next couple months, they just, were not taken in real time. They were not taken in real time, and also we put way too much time and effort in, into that. So be sure to double tap. Thank you guys. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Microscope, presented by Whatever You Say Productions. Learn more at microscopepodcast.com. That's M I K R O S C O P E P O D C A S T dot com.